0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, team previews roll on. You know a thing or two about this one. Who we got talking to us today?
1: David Cunningham, manager, managing editor. Talking about tripping over stuff, Joey. Managing <laughs> editor, tech sideline, covering Virginia Tech. He is uh, my go-to source of information for all things Virginia Tech. David, welcome back to the show. First time meeting Joey on the mm-hmm. podcast today. How's it going?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, yeah, I know we did this last year, and it was just me and you because Joey just had a baby. Now you guys, you guys both have kids. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna hold off on that for now. I think I'm okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing well. Virginia Tech football camp players reported on August first. We're talking on August second. Uh, lots of lots of stuff to get to. I'm really excited, and before we know it. September second is going to be here, and Virginia Tech is going to host Old Dominion. So, college football is almost back, guys. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. Appreciate you making the time for us here today. I know that there's really not anything going on now that football camp is in full swing. Um, so, but anyways, thank you for for being here with us, uh, David. Let's let's get into it this fall a little bit, and specifically, we'll start with Brent Pry going into year two. Um, you know these these questions that we we ask a lot of times somehow end up around, you know, the coaching staff and being, you know, how close are they to getting fired or whatever? Obviously, year two, it's, it's not going to be like that. But I guess what I was going to ask about was Brent Pry I think, has been pretty open and honest since being hired that this is going to take a little bit of time and we're going to rebuild this the right way, try to be sustainable about it as opposed to trying to go for quick fixes, but really not having a stable foundation over time. Has has the fan base continued to be receptive to that message, or do you sense any amount of like restlessness of like we're Virginia Tech, we made bowl games for three decades, like we've got a we got to get back to that as quick as we can?
2: I think the fan base has been fairly receptive to it, and I think it helps that that Pry is speaking the Virginia Tech language. Right, he's a a guy who knows his program inside and out. He was a GA. Uh, under Frank Beamer in the 90s he was with Virginia Tech when the Hokies went to that 95 Sugar Bowl he's seen the ins and outs he has a great relationship with Frank Beamer and Bud Foster he he respects Virginia Tech and what it once was and he hopes he can get it back there and I think for that the Hokie fans have been very receptive Um, I, I think During the struggles last season, the Hokies obviously went three and eight. There were times where it got really frustrating. But when you hear Brent Pry being super open and honest and say things like what he said at AC Media Days last week, where he said when he took over this job and he compared it to when he and James Franklin took over at Vanderbilt, he said that Vanderbilt had more talent on that team when they took over than he did at Virginia Tech when he took over last year, which is crazy to think about. But his honesty and him being open about those things, I think, has only helped the fan base be more receptive. And I think think right now they're kind of just patiently waiting for results. It's going to be very interesting if the Hokies don't come out and win six games this year and go to a bowl. We're obviously going to get to, to predictions and stuff later and talk more about that. But I think if he can go out and prove that he can win games this year and that this team is and this program is set up to head in the right direction because Tech has really good recruiting momentum right now and he's saying all the right things. If he can put it together and his staff can get everything done on the football field, I think everybody, all the fans, will feel a whole lot better about where this thing is headed right now it's kind of uh, in a in a in a weird place where it's okay you had your first year you've said all the right things we're kind of just waiting to see what kind of results you get in year two because if if this team comes out and only wins four or five games depending on what the what the results are here and there the fan base might get really really frustrated and a little bit impatient but right now I think everybody's in a good place, and everybody senses that Brent Pry has the program on an upward trajectory.
1: I think a difference between first year coaches a year ago, between Brent Pry, for example, at Tech, and then Mike Elko at Duke is Mike Elko was able to get quarterback figured out pretty quickly. I think Brent Pry thought he might have quarterback figured out last year with Grant Wells, and then for a multitude of reasons, things just didn't really go their way offensively all year long, right? Grant Wells struggled, lack of playmakers really all over the field. Um, Tech has kind of upped the ante playmaker-wise through the transfer portal, and some of the young guys are getting developed. And now Grant Wells is still in the mix at quarterback, and Virginia Tech brings in Kyron Drones, a transfer from Baylor. David, what are the expectations for Grant Wells here going into fall camp? Does he retain his starting quarterback job? It obviously seems like it might be too early to tell, but you know he is the veteran who has starts under his belt versus Kyron Drones who does not. Does that give Wells the inside track? And if he struggles early, how quickly do you think Pry will kind of pull the trigger and, and move to Kyron Drones?
2: Well, I'll say this. You, you hit the nail on the head with the... There were so many different things going on last year that kind of put the quarterback in a bad situation. The offense as a whole was atrocious. There were, the offensive line was really, really bad. Caleb Smith was the only wide receiver who could consistently catch a pass. There was no running game because Malachi Thomas, Keyshawn King couldn't stay healthy. The only position that was consistent was tight end. And it's kind of the same group of guys this year. Um, I, I have said this. I wrote this last week over on techsideline.com from ACC Media Days. And I will continue to say this. We will finally start to get a a good look on Thursday when we view open practice for the first time in fall camp at what the quarterback situation looks like. But from my perspective, I think whoever is the quarterback this season will have a higher floor than Grant Wells did last year, whether it is Wells or Drones, simply because the Hokies upgraded everywhere around him. There are three new transfer wide receivers in Ollie Jennings, Daquan Felton, and Jalen Lane, who are all arguably their number one targets at their previous schools. Bashal Tootin comes in from North Carolina A&T, where he was one of the best FCS running backs in the country. The one big question is the offensive line, but Brent Pry feels pretty confident that that is going to get better and that Tyler Bowen, who was the tight ends coach last year, he's now taken over as the quarterback's coach and he's the offensive coordinator. So he has a big hand on everything. There's no reason to think that it shouldn't get better. Now, as to the Wells-Drones conversation, I think Wells has the advantage because he's the incumbent, but I don't think that Drones is out of the conversation at all. I think it's going to come down to probably the last week of fall camp. I think Drones has the tools. I think it's really his knowledge of the game, right? Wells has. Wells might not be as fleet-footed, as athletic, uh, as Drones is coming from Baylor. Um, but if he can nail down, if he if he can get his mistakes down and be more accurate as a passer and continue to develop his understanding of the offense, I think it's going to be really hard for Drones to surpass him if he's even being just an average ACC quarterback, where I think Drones might have the advantages in, as far as athleticism is concerned And he's a fresh face, right? Where the fans look at him and say, okay, well, we'll start Kyron Drones. Well, Drones doesn't have the experience that Wells does, but if he can show, in my opinion, that he can make it up in terms of athleticism and decision-making, if he can make throws that Wells maybe doesn't consistently, then I think Drones has the advantage. It's going to be very interesting to see where this conversation goes over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think Wells does have the advantage simply because he's the guy who has now been in the system for a second straight year. And it seems like he has a great relationship with Tyler Bowen. Um, But I do feel confident that whatever quarterback Virginia Tech rolls out there on September 2nd and whether the Hokies use two quarterbacks, Brent Pry said that it's a possibility. Um, I don't know how, how confident I would feel in that system working but I do feel like the floor has been elevated for the Virginia Tech quarterbacks in that whoever comes out there and is behind center, they will have better playmakers around them and they will be in a better position to succeed than they were last year.
0: David, you kind of alluded to the offensive struggles just in general. And it was, you know, like, as you mentioned, I mean, as the pass game was a struggle, the run game was a struggle, the offensive line had, had issues Um, And and it kind of reflected itself in some of the the end-of-the-season rankings. You know, Virginia Tech finishes 125th out of 130, 131 teams on offense. Uh, Pretty rough. But on the other hand, finished 38th on defense. And and some of that you can even factor in, you know, the the level of impressive is helped, uh, or or is only more so, because of the offensive struggles on defense. Do you figure, as far as, you know, the strength of this team, I, I figure it still has to be the defense. And is there any one part of that defense that you figure will be really the best part of this virginia tech team
2: yeah i think the defense is really going to be the strength there are some question marks still um a, a little bit i think virginia tech has its starting 11 figured out i think there are some depth question marks but i think virginia tech has three of the best cornerbacks arguably in the acc uh you have Mansour delane who was um, one of the best freshmen in the conference last year uh he returns he has a one year of you know he has one year under his belt now dorian strong missed eight games last season and redshirted and he was a guy who probably could have been an all acc caliber corner last year um, but he broke his hand in the west virginia game so he's back and then virginia tech brings in Derek canteen from georgia southern he was all conference cornerback with the eagles so that's three essentially all conference cornerbacks Um, how the Hokies? Use those guys and rotate them. I'm really curious to see. I think Canteen might play a little bit of a nickel role um, when the Hokies go to the nickel nickel package. But uh, I think the Hokies have a really big strength at corner this year. Uh, I I think they're all right on the back end at safety with Jalen Stroman and Nasir Peoples, two guys who have played a lot of snaps for Virginia Tech. Um, I think they're pretty well set at linebacker, especially at Sam and Will and Keonta Jenkins and Kelly Lawson. I think Mike is a big question mark. Um, and defensive tackle, they're going to be really, really strong there. They return Norrell Pollard, Josh Huga, and Mario Kendricks. The biggest questions are at Mike linebacker and at defensive end if they can get enough pressure on the quarterback. But um, I think there are a couple of places, specifically tackle and corner, where the Hokies look really, really strong. Uh, and, and I f- would feel good about the Hokies going three or four players deep, I think, at those positions.
1: I think obvious, obvious weaknesses team-wide. Well, more questions and weaknesses, I guess. Defensive end, you mentioned Mike Linebacker. Offensive line, what do you think the single biggest weakness is on the Virginia Tech roster?
2: Offensive line, I think yeah. that's the thing that has to get figured out. Um, it doesn't hurt. Or it, it hurts that it, it doesn't help. It does hurt that the Hokies lost Jesse Hansen uh, to a season-ending injury, season or career-ending injury, I should say. He medically retired. That was announced last week at AC Media Days. Um, He was a guy who had played for the Hokies. He was going to be the most veteran player on the offensive line this year, the guy with the most snaps at Virginia Tech, and he's gone. Not that he was an impact player by any means, but he was your most veteran player. Um, The Hokies did bring in Clayton Frady who was an FCS All-American at Gardner-Webb. He should slide in there at tackle or at guard I think and and have potential to to start in that position that Hanson vacated. But the guy you're starting at one of the tackle spots is Xavier Chaplin who didn't play at all last season outside of a handful of snaps at Liberty in the last game of the year. Parker Clements, in theory, should get back to his old self. He was dealing with an injury last year. He's the other tackle spot. And then the Moore brothers, Caden Braylon, should, in theory, be pretty solid. But if if there's an injury there, that's a big problem. There's not much depth at all. It's a lot of young guys. You have a first-year offensive line coach in Ron Crook who's still trying to figure things out. Offensive line is the number one question. And we talked about quarterbacks earlier. I don't think it really matters who Virginia Tech's quarterback is as much as can Virginia Tech get the offensive line down because if the mm-hmm. Hokies are struggling on the offensive line. Yep, The quarterback's not going to have time to throw. The running backs aren't going to have holes to run through. So I, I think that is the thing that kind of decides Virginia Tech's season. It's going to be really curious. I'm really curious to talk to Brett Prye and, oh, over the next couple of weeks and figure out has the offensive line improved and how does Ron Crook feel about these young guys that are coming along in the program that – they don't have any career reps, but they're going to have to be thrown into the fire at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. David, I guess you know for for those unfamiliar, I, you know, obviously this this offense is struggling so far under Brent Pry. Between what Pry has talked about wanting to do and anything you've kind of heard, experienced from Tyler Bowen. Do you can you describe I guess what they envision being the long term finished product for this offense? Uh, is it is it more of a ground and pound style, you know, kind of physical? Is it a little bit more, I guess, I don't know, traditional West Coast or more traditional college football spread? You know, what what is it that they have in mind as the long term vision here?
2: I think, from my understanding, I think it's they they want to they want to be able to run the ball. That's the first thing. They want to have a successful ground game. And then they kind of want to be multiple. They want to use the tight ends. The Hokies have some pretty solid tight ends in the program. And they have used guys in an H-back role. I think Daquan Wright is a name for ACC fans to keep an eye on this year. He was a true freshman last year and had some big impact plays. Uh, He's the second string tight end behind Nick Gallo, who's a veteran. Tech has some really solid tight ends. Um, I think... They kind of want to be, be multiple in that they're able to run the ball but also have the have the options to throw to the tight end or throw to the wide receivers. They've got some really big play threats now in Ali Jennings and Daquan Felton, who's 6'5", 6'6". Um, can, can they put it together, I think, is the big question. And I think with all of the offseason additions that the Hokies are headed in that direction – The biggest question, like we just talked about, is the offensive line. But I think if Virginia Tech can establish the running game, they've got Bayshall Tootin and Malachi Thomas. That's a heck of a one-two punch if they can run the ball, if there are holes for those guys to run through. I think they're trending in the right direction, kind of across the board on offense. The biggest question is, do they have the offensive line to do everything behind? And, um, you know, if we're... If we look at it four weeks into the season and the Hokies haven't been able to run the ball and it's been a, a one-dimension offense like it was last season, it's going to there are going to be a lot of questions raised about what Tyler Bowen really, really wants to do. And I think, big picture, that is the biggest question that will be answered this year. Is, is Tyler Bowen the right offensive coordinator for this team? Didn't really go well last year. Hokies were one of the worst offenses in the country. He's brought in new weapons. Tech's on a better playing field. Or I should say, again, the floor has been raised. What can the Hokies do this year? And can Tyler Bowen show Virginia Tech fans and show the rest of the ACC that he knows what he's doing? He's a, he'd never been an, an offensive coordinator before he took the job at Virginia Tech. And a lot of people have questions. I, I think that we will know at the end of the season whether or not Tyler Bowen is the right man for the job.
1: Most teams hate their offensive coordinator in terms of fans, right? Um, how how long do you think the leash is with Bowen? Because I think Pry likes Bowen a lot, respects Bowen a lot, wants him to be a, a big part of the program. I I was listening to the Adam Brenneman interview with Brent Pry, and you know Pry kind of said beforehand that he wanted Bowen to be the quarterbacks coach kind of right away when he brought him in, and he just brought him in as the tight ends coach initially, um, as he, and the offensive coordinator, of course, too. Um, but want him to be the quarterback's coach with kind of no prior real experience in that role, now he's going to be the quarterback's coach full-time. If the quarterbacks struggle, if the offense struggles again, the fan base is going to get even more uneasy about Bowen and you know his, inexper- his inexperience coming in outside of Fordham and that one Penn State bowl game, right? But if Tech struggles again offensively, what do you think the leash is for Tyler Bowen specifically?
2: I think it's really, really tough. I think it kind of depends on how bad the struggles are, right? Um, if it's that Virginia Tech looks incompetent, like the Hokies looked on offense last year, I don't know that there is much of a leash. If it's there are injuries and they're, the Hokies just need more offensive line depth, I, I think I think there's a little bit more of, of a leash there because. In theory, on paper, the Hokies are better at every position except maybe the offensive line than last season, right? They are obviously better at quarterback. Kyron Jones is an upgrade over, um, man, I don't need Jason Brown. Jason Brown, yeah, the geez, quarterback yeah. Was last yeah, year right? <laughs> The Hokies are better in the quarterback room. They're better at running back. They're better at wide receiver. The tight end room is almost exactly the same, but those guys have another year under their belt. The big question is the offensive line if if Tyler Bowen gets almost the exact same results as last season with better talent that is a big problem I think it kind of just goes I think it, go, I think it, it will kind of depend on on the results right and if the Hokies maybe a little bit how how the Hokies are on the other side of the ball because at the end of the day it all comes down to winning games and if the defense is better which I think it will be and the offense can quote-unquote manage games. I think back to the North Carolina State game last year. Virginia Tech's in Raleigh on a Thursday night, has a tremendous third quarter, leads by a couple touchdowns going into the fourth, blows the lead. That is a situation where you just have to manage the game and you win the game, right? That's a game where the Hokies almost had it in the back. And the defense is going up against NC State's third or fourth option at quarterback. Who's a true freshman, right? Um, there are, I think it all just comes kinda comes down to situational stuff. I, I don't think Tyler Bowen will have a big leash if the Hokies struggle this year. I, I think it kinda just depends on, on how bad it is. But if tech fans, you know, have a good a good understanding of I think where the Hokies have gotten better in the off season. They're they're doing really well on the recruiting trail right now. They picked up a, a, a handful of really, really big recruits that are, that should bolster this team. If progress can't be shown on the offensive side of the ball now from year one to year two, where the talent level has clearly jumped up a level, that's a big problem. And it should send off some, some warning signs.
0: Let's take a quick second to remind you about section 103.com it is the internet's premier place for all things. Wonderful, wonderful Georgia tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. they got a couple of three-quarter shirts. they got buttons, stickers, all sorts of things. Thanks, for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Every Georgia Tech fan in your life can use something from Section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, they've got some new things all the time coming. Uh, recently came out with some new player shirts. Uh, shirts, you know, shirts, I guess, as the, as the kids would call them. Uh, things with a logo on the front, a number on the front, and a number on the back, along with a name. They got shirts for both Zach Pyron as well as Dante Smith, who kind of projected to be Georgia Tech's starting quarterback and running back this year. So if you want to support those players, I believe they get some NIL money out of it too, so just you know, keep that in mind for what it's worth. Uh, They've got the Junior's Grill shirt. They've got all sorts of great, great products there. They've also recently come out with a clearance section. So if you're looking for some T-shirts or a couple of hoodies for a a slightly lower price point, go check out the clearance section. Once again, it is section103.com or at section underscore 103 on Instagram. Give them a follow. Check it out. All things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Again, using the official team colors, the official word marks, everything. It is all officially licensed. It is super comfortable, super high quality. I love mine. You will love yours as well. Check out the performance wear if you're looking for things to keep you cool here during the summer. In any case, one more time, that is Section103.com, the Internet's best place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. That's it for now. Let's get back to the show.
2: Learn more at marines.com.
0: David, is there an area on this team, this roster, where you, you would say it is like the biggest concern related to depth uh, in terms of, you know, maybe the, the, the starters, you know, we feel pretty good about those guys, but then immediately after that, there's a pretty big drop-off to, to the guys coming in as his backups, if, especially if someone to get hurt or something like that.
2: Yeah, well, I won't harp on the offensive line because I think we I already did a lot of that. I think safety is is a big question right now uh, Virginia Tech brought in a lot of very talented freshman defensive backs. The problem with that is that there aren't many older guys in the program, and Virginia Tech's two starting safeties are Nasir peoples and Jalen Stroman they're guys who have been in the program for a handful of years now. Mm-hmm. behind them, well Jalen Jones and uh, and Mose Phillips were the two options in the two deep coming out of the spring Well, Mose Phillips was a true freshman who had not even been on campus for a semester and Jalen Jones is a guy who was a defensive back uh, in high school slash wide receiver he came into the program as a wide receiver and then moved over to DB neither of those guys have a lot of experience so if something were to happen to either one of those two starters that would raise a lot of question marks because the Hokies don't necessarily have a a number any guys at, at the number two positions who have shown that they can compete at the ACC level. Jalen Jones has never played a snap at defensive back uh, in the ACC. Neither has Mose Phillips, who's a true freshman. So I think I think that you know that that's a little bit concerning. That's one of those positions where if you're a Virginia Tech. Uh, coach, you hope, man, we need to stay healthy there. Or a Virginia Tech fan, the Hokies have to stay healthy at that spot. Not that the Hokies don't have anybody there. I think there are a lot of talented young players coming in that over the next few years will show that they can really play at that position. But there's a possibility, it could be a De Delane situation where Dorian Strong got hurt last season, and Delane was thrown to the fire because Virginia Tech really had no other corners. There could be a situation this year where if a safety gets hurt, the Hokies are throwing freshman safeties to the fire, and we're going to see the next generation of Virginia Tech defensive backs. Not necessarily a great situation to have, but I, I I think everywhere else across the board, Tech's depth is okay. Defensive end is, I think, the other big one on the defensive side of the ball. The Hokies brought in Antoine Powell-Ryland from Florida, where he had a very productive end of last season. After that, it kind of drops off a little bit. Who's going to be able to rush the passer? Um, I think there are more question marks there, um, more so at who who will get after the, the quarterback, more so not questions of who can or, or, who, or who will be – who will be playing. It's more so we know the guys who are going to be on the field, which one of those guys is going to be the guy that can get after the pass rusher because there are a, lot, a handful of guys that have been in the program for a really long time. CJ McCray, Cole Nelson. Um, they haven't necessarily shown that they are an elite pass rusher. So that I think is, is the other spot where I would say what it, you, Virginia tech might have some, some red flags, some concerns at that spot.
1: I'm going to sneak one more in Joey before we get into the schedule. And this is kind of a more open-ended one for you, David, because, uh, one comment, I think we talked about the important comments from ACC media day, but one comment that the fans latched onto, they got, I think a lot more run than maybe it should have was Brent Pry calling Virginia tech, the flagship program in Virginia. Cause it sparked, uh, as you saw on Twitter, UVA fans were real mad. And Virginia tech fans were mad. Um, going back and forth with the UVA fans. Um, How do you think that plays, because Brent Pry on the recruiting trail, he's been shown to be like the salesman of the program, and he's a guy who is kind of, you know, what you see is what you get with Pry. it seems like, at least in the early going, you know, with how open and forthright he's been about the state of the roster and things like that, and then how he wants to attack the recruiting trail. Pry calling Virginia Tech the flagship program in the state. What was your opinion of that statement? And what do you think he was trying to do by kind of saying that in that open forum at ACC Media Day?
2: Well, first of all, I thought the question was really, really poor. The guy, the guy that that, I think that was the funniest part of it, because I'm sitting in the, uh, the big ballroom in Charlotte at the West End. And the question comes in and the questions about, there are a lot of good programs in the state like JMU and VMI and UVA. And that was the funniest thing because it's like VMI is not a very good football program. And (laughs) JMU is what in its first season at at the FBS level. Um, Brent Pryce saying what he has to say and Tony Elliott had a response and Tony Elliott saying what he has to say. Uh, But, but Brent Pry right now, I think, is not necessarily in the wrong. The Hokies are better on the recruiting trail now. Tech and UVA both had the same record last season. I think if Virginia Tech and UVA had played, the Hokies probably would have won that game simply because UVA was not. UVA was in a worse place last year on the football field than Virginia Tech was. This is a big prove it year for Virginia Tech. Tech has Old Dominion to start it off. We don't need to talk about what happened last year for the, Ho'Hees in Norfolk, (laughs) right? But you win that game, that's one team in the state that you've beaten that you should have beaten last year. And then you end the season with Virginia. If you win both of those games, you have a successful season. And by successful, we'll talk about that in a second. And you continue to show progress on the recruiting trail. In my opinion, there's no doubt that Virginia Tech is the quote-unquote flagship program in the Commonwealth. Uh, you, you think back to five to 10 years ago, the Hokies have almost in the last, you could say since 2000, the Hokies have essentially been the, the flagship program in the school every single year with a couple here and there, I would say 2019, probably when UVA won the coastal division, went the orange bowl. Now that was one of the best seasons in the last couple decades for, for Virginia football. Outside of that, the Hokies have really dominated the Commonwealth. Losing to Old Dominion does not help. Uh, and, and, of course, there's that loss with JMU thrown in there uh, back in what 2009. But outside of that, the Hokies have have kind of controlled the state of Virginia. And I think a lot of people were caught off guard that Brent probably was, probably was being so blunt about it. He's saying what he has to say. And I think if the Hokies go out and do what they're supposed to do this year, their wins this year will back up that statement. And we will be looking back at it at the beginning of the year um, and saying, okay, it made sense. Because in theory, the Hokies have gotten better and they should go out and beat Old Dominion in Virginia and they should continue to do well in the recruiting trail. And if they reel in a top 30 recruiting class, like it looks like they might... And they finish six wins and go to a bowl game in Brent Prize second year. Those are all going to be real positives. And I'm not sure that Virginia or old dominion or anybody else in the state will be able to have that kind of success this year. So it's kind of a wait and see thing, but it, of course, yes, all the fans got up in arms about it uh, after what he said last week.
0: I mean, me personally, a little bit of an outsider. I've spent minimal time in my life in the state of Virginia and all this stuff like, that would not have like registered with me that he would said, "Oh, we're the premier program in the state of Virginia." It's like, well, yeah, it kind of seems seems that way, right? Like, you know, from a brand standpoint, from a historical success standpoint, I mean, it's it's been at Virginia Tech more so than Virginia, you know, for for a long time. So, I think it's perfectly fine to puff your chest out about that. No worries, uh, <laughs> David. You mentioned the Old Dominion game to start the year. Uh, let's let's jump over and talk about the schedule a little bit. It's funny to me looking at this out of conference schedule, and they, they start out four four out of conference games, and then just finish with eight conference games after that. So you start out at home against Old Dominion, at home against Purdue, at Rutgers, and at Marshall. And to me, what's funny is I look at that and I'm like, they could go four and zero. They could probably go zero and four over that stretch. Um, I don't know that any of those games is like a like a for sure win or a for sure loss. Is that Am I mischaracterizing that as the way you see it, based on those you know those teams and where Virginia Tech is right now?
2: No, I agree with thousand percent. I think that's the exact situation Virginia Tech is in, and that's why I think there's so much positivity around it. Right, the Hokies could start four and zero after a three and eight season. They could win more games in the first four games of this season than they did the entirety of last year. But there's also the possibility that Virginia Tech starts you know zero and four or one and three. Right, I think. I think nobody knows what to expect, mm-hmm. and that's why it's a big prove it year for for Brent Pry. Because if he can come out and and beat Old Dominion, you start one and zero. Purdue is Purdue lost Jeff Brom to Louisville, kind of an entire revamping um, of their entire program. Lots of new faces. I, I think that won't it won't be an easy game, but I think it's in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech. That's a winnable game for Virginia Tech. You go on the road to Rutgers, Rutgers is not very good. Not that Virginia Tech is better, but I think there's a possibility that Virginia Tech goes and wins that game. I think the most difficult game of the four has a potential to be Marshall on the road. Marshall was a what, 9-10 win team last year, and you're playing that in Huntington, which is essentially Marshall's Super Bowl. So, I, I, yes, I agree with you, Joey. I, I think this has a possibility to, to be a really, really good start or a really, really bad start. or I, It could go any which way, uh, but but that's kind of the beauty of of this for Virginia Tech, that the Hokies kind of get to create their own momentum. If they start 0-1, that's not going to look so hot, but if they start 3-0 and they go into that Marshall game confident and they've played good football, it, it, you know they... This this early stage, these early first four games are so crucial to Virginia Tech season because when you get down into the nitty-gritty of the ACC schedule, it's not like the Hokies have the hardest schedule out there. They don't have Clemson on there. They don't have Carolina. They don't have Miami, but they do have Florida State. They do have NC State. There are some good teams on there. If you want to make a bowl game, winning and getting results in those first four games is, is going to be crucial.
1: I think kind of when looking at the rest of the schedule i mean i think some of virginia tech's toughest games are on the road i agree with you i think that marshall game is going to be tough you go on the road to tallahassee in early october you get louisville the first weekend in november and i think if you're going to get a year one louisville team i think you'd rather have them in september than november um, <laughs> nc state you do get nc state at home in november and i think that's a little bit of a godsend but at the same time i think nc State's going to be really good what do you think the toughest stretch on the schedule is? Because the 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 thing is, I I see a few different like three game increments where I'm like, man, I think that could make or break the schedule, and it's not just in the month of September.
2: Yeah, I think if I, if I had to, I, right now looking at the schedule, I think I would probably go that four game stretch: Marshall, Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest, just because it's right before the open week they're three they're three or four weeks in a row where the Hokies are on the road. Uh, at Rutgers, at Marshall, you have Pitt at home and then you go to Florida State. Pitt is a, a pretty good team. Pitt has consistently beat the Hokies as of late. Florida State is one of the best teams in not just the conference, but Florida State's a top 25 team. Wake Forest, Dave Clawson has shown that that he can create really, really good Wake Forest teams out of almost nothing. You have those three te- those three games after you play at Marshall, uh, before the bye week. I think that's – it's going to be tough. And, and the Hokies are – I think we will know – once that open week comes around, October 21st, we will know a lot about where the Hokies stand because they could be uh, – they will have played, what, seven games at that point? They could be three and four. They could be two and five. They could be four and three. That will, that will tell us a lot about, about where they stand, and that's why I think those first few games are so important. If the Hokies start 3-0 and and go into that four-game stretch with a 3-0 and record and they're playing with momentum and they've got two of those games at home, there's a possibility, I think, that Virginia Tech is, has four wins or five wins after that stretch. And I do think it helps that two of the last three games on the schedule are Boston College and Virginia. Though they're on the road and though Virginia Tech historically is really, really bad uh, in Chestnut Hill, those are two teams that Bo- Tech beat Boston College last year, and I would think that Tech has the advantage over Virginia. So uh, I think the the back end of the schedule you throw in Syracuse, that's the team the Hokies are probably close to on a level playing field with. I, I think it's really that big four-game stretch kind of in the middle of the schedule where we're really going to find out if Virginia Tech is for real or not
0: I was going to say looking at this from a conference standpoint and and, you know this year being that we're not doing the divisions thing you know you just kind of you have the three permanent opponents you have five rotating looking at this you know in a schedule that doesn't include include Clemson this feels like it's approaching as you know one of the more difficult schedules you could have um, and I think some of that being the sequencing. You know, you get a couple of really physical, uh, talented teams up front with Pittsburgh and Florida State. Uh, you've got road games again. Three out of four games in no- November, you're going on the road for. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I just look at this sequencing and who you draw this year. This just seems like it's it's relatively tough. You know, one of the one of the tougher ways that they could have had it schedule wise this year.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the the kind of randomness of it all where it's, there's not necessarily a pattern where it's uh, home game, home game, away game, away game. It, it's, it's very kind of all over the place and there's not, you can't really necessarily pick out a one stretch and go, this is a two or three game stretch where Virginia tech should win a couple games or will we'll have a really good opportunity to do so. Because there's, it's kind of like split up so evenly where, you know, Florida State is is one of the best teams in the conference. Louisville has the opportunity, I think, to be one of the surprise teams simply because it's first year under Jeff Brom, and people might not know what to expect and lots of new faces. And then you have NC State, and those teams are kind of scattered in there almost evenly. Um, I think it's it's a pretty balanced schedule as far as it's pretty tough all the way around and and. I go back to those first three games, four games of the season where you have to get off to a, a good start because if if Virginia Tech does not have a good September, it's going to be a really, really tough year trying to battle back against some teams in the ACC. Yes, some teams on this schedule are not great, but other teams on the schedule are very good. And the ACC, I think, as far as Virginia Tech's schedule is concerned, it's not going to be a fun time. I, I think there are going to be a couple weeks in there where Virginia Tech is is just trying to hang in games because that's the nature of playing on the road in Tallahassee, right? Or playing home against Pitt, a team that has historically had good, good success against Virginia Tech. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I do not – I think this is going to be a pretty tough schedule, but at the same time, if the Hokies sort of hit a stride, this could be a – a maybe not so difficult schedule so I think it all kind of depends on how Virginia Tech really comes out of the gates
1: Joey what are you thinking record wise yeah I'll have you go first
0: I'm not optimistic honestly uh you know again looking at the schedule knowing what the the issues that this team had last year coming out of the Justin Fuente era the offensive line thing I, I kind of get the impression that they're going to get it fixed. I just, I, I feel like it, it's one of those things; that just takes time. So I'm still not high on the Hokies for 2023. I mean, record-wise, I'm, I'm feeling like uh, go like three and nine, four and eight again. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm still. I, I think Virginia Tech might still be like one of the three-ish worst teams in the conference this year. Uh, I, I and. I say that, I will continue saying I still like the Brent Pry hire. I think that's going to work long term, but I think the way that he's building it, it's I just think they need another year. And I need I need to see it a little bit before I feel good about this program, you know, consistently winning games and, and you know, being favored, winning games they should, that kind of thing. So I am still pretty low on him for this year. I'm at like three and nine, maybe four and eight, something like that.
1: I to go five and seven. <clears throat> um the way that Virginia Tech gets to six or maybe seven is you go three and one in the opening stretch, hold on in that next four games that we were talking about. I think we're all kind of in agreement. Those are those next four are the toughest games on the schedule, just the way they fall. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe going two and two in the final four. I mean, I think that's how you get to, how you get to six, right? Um, you win one of pittsburgh florida state wake and syracuse you win three out of the four in september and then you beat bc and uva on the road two games that i think you definitely can and i don't want to say should win virginia tech went three and nine last year but definitely can win nc state you know virginia tech had nc state on the ropes last year and the game got away from them in the second half and that was a game where they were certainly overmatched and nc state had to lean on mj morris of course in that game but you know, Virginia Tech had NC State on the ropes last year, and that was a much better team. So now you get that game at Blacksburg. Can you do the same thing with Brian Armstrong and Robert Denise, the offensive coordinator? Um, but I'm gonna go five and seven, because I'm not sure Virginia Tech wins three out of the first four. I'm not sure they go two and two in November. I, look, I don't think they go 0 and four in that pit Florida State wake Syracuse stretch. I think they they win at least one, maybe two, and I think if you kind of have a a tougher September, but you play better than expected in that four game stretch in the middle of the schedule. I still think you can certainly make a bowl game. So I think winning two games a month is a really good goal, (laughs) given how balanced the schedule is. And that gets you to a bowl game. And I think that would show really good progress, but I think I'm going to hedge against that just because I'm so uncertain. I'm still uncertain about the offensive line. I'm, I agree. I think the floor has been raised at quarterback for sure, just because I think the talent around whoever ends up being the starter is definitely going to be better, but if Grant Wells struggles, and if Kyron Drones comes in and struggles, then you have a weakness at the at the best position on the field. And I think we've already seen we obviously seen the worst of Grant Wells last year, right? But I think the established floor for Grant Wells is probably what he did at Marshall, which was an okay quarterback, but still had turnover issues. So if those crop up again, I just— I have a little bit of uncertainty, but I think the defense will be good. I think the defense will keep them in a lot of games. I think if the offense does make some improvements, I think that a bowl game is is within reach. I'm gonna go five and seven. I think. David.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm going five and seven. Uh, I but uh, here's the thing. I, I think, uh, I think for for this to be a successful season, I think it's a bowl game. I think if Virginia Tech wins six games and goes to a bowl game people will write this off as a successful season. And you can look at this schedule and tell me that there are six wins on there. And I think I believe you, but you could also look at the schedule and tell me that tech's only going to win four games or three games. And I think I'd also believe you. I, I, I feel like tech will be better, but, but five and seven, I think is realistic banking on that. There will probably be some injuries that come into account that, will pop up out of nowhere and that some of these teams on this schedule will hit their stride all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, you know, I think like, I think that Louisville game is a great example. Louisville could be a really good team or Louisville could also stink this year Yeah, in, Bre- in, yeah. in Brahms first year. And that could be a potential walk in the park for Virginia tech in November because Louisville is just bad, but it could also be a, a game virginia tech walks into and gets smoked because louisville so good i, I think that kind of characterizes this schedule for virginia tech um again i think it all comes down to the first four games of the season if virginia tech wins two or three virginia tech i think gets to six wins i think if, if tech wins six games it, i think if tech, virginia tech wins two or three of those first six game, uh, first four games tech can get to six wins But if you're winning one of those games, probably Old Dominion, if you start one and three, I think the best you get is four or five wins. And I think five wins at that point would even be pushing it. So a strong start is key. Um, But I think it doesn't doesn't help that you have to go on the road. But I think, again, games at Boston College and UVA are doable in November. The big problem is I don't think you're going to win at Florida State and Pitt and Wake Forest are better. So that's a potentially three-game losing streak right there in the middle. I think I think that Syracuse game at home um, for Virginia Tech on a Thursday night, I, I think that you could chalk that up as a win because um, I think those two teams are kind of around the same. But there, there's so much that goes into this, and until I see that much improvement, I don't feel confident. I, I would probably lean towards four and eight, five and seven right now, but there's a possibility. I think that Virginia tech could go six and six. It wouldn't surprise me at all, but uh, until I see it on the field, I, I've got to go five and seven at, the, at the, and that's like at the most, um, but I do think again. You ask, you guys asked me earlier, Mike, about about the leash for Tyler Bowen, Right? Yeah. If Virginia Tech, if Virginia Tech goes five and seven, how will people feel? Well, it comes down to what specifically happens. Are the quarterbacks the problem? Is it the is it the running backs? There, there's no running game because the running backs can't stay healthy. Is it that the wide receivers can't catch any passes or get open, or is it the offensive line struggles, or is it as it was the case this year, all of it? It kind of depends on what the issues are and how fixable they are. Um, I'm very, very interested to see how the season goes. We'll know, I think, a lot by the time that Wake Forest game and, and that that open week rolls around, because at that point, Virginia Tech could either be three and four or two and five or four and three. And again, I think the real realistically, I think Virginia Tech finishing five and seven would be. A good season. I don't know if I would deem it a successful season because I think successful is getting to a bowl game. But I think realistically, um, Virginia Tech going five and seven is probably where I'd have to put them at.
1: Gonna have to pray for you on the message boards, David. If Virginia Tech is one in six going into the bye week, um,
2: I and see that's the thing. I don't think I don't think it's going to be like a one and six trip. Like this team no, is no, going I, to be good enough to win three or. This team is good enough to win four games if everything goes according to plan. Right. The problem. The problem is. Don't love putting a qualifier
0: to- on. They're good enough to win four. <laughs> like-
2: <laughs> this team, I think, this team has the talent to win four games. But when I say it goes according to plan, we-, we saw last season. I think Virginia Tech was a little lucky last year with injuries. I think Virginia Tech was a little lucky that the offensive line issues weren't worse that that's the question that gets me like like, we're sitting here thinking okay what happens when virginia tech goes up to marshall on on september 23rd and it's a homecoming for grant wells the former marshall quarterback what happens if he gets rattled and throws three picks that's a like that's a game that on paper virginia tech should have a good chance to win but marshall's good and and things could just pop up mike you know what happened at old dominion last year that's a game virginia tech should have won yeah there were you could point to three or four games last year where Virginia Tech was there, and if Virginia Tech is there a little bit more of the time this year, doesn't blow a lead against NC State is is a little bit better against Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech finishes five and seven, and I think that's kind of where the program is at at this point.
0: For what it's worth, I'm seeing at my local shop the win total at five and a half. And the, un, the under at one, minus 145. So,
1: No, thank you. I'll yeah, stay away from that.
0: I, I think you guys are spot on that really where a lot of the variance here is probably in those first four games. And, and kind of just every one of those feels like a wild card kind of game. I think I'd said, two, you know, 3-9, 4-8. I think I'm going to settle on 4-8. And, um, and And I think that's there, – there's two conference games I feel pretty good about winning. Like you said, that Thursday night at home against Syracuse – I think, you know, that environment, you're coming off a bye week, everything, you know, sets up for that to be a win. And then I am I am definitely higher on Virginia Tech right now than I am on Virginia. I'll say that. I, I think that they go get a win the final week of the year. Uh, I still think Virginia is going to be pretty rough this year. So I think you get at least two, maybe three in conference. And then, yeah, the whole thing kind of swings on what do they do in that first four so that's uh, that's going to be the thing to watch. You know, I, I would say we'll learn a lot about Virginia Tech in that stretch, but honestly, it's learning a lot about Virginia Tech and the other four teams that they'll play because, you know, a lot of questions there as well. But yep. in any case, Mike, that's all I got for David. Anything else?
1: I think we're good. David, thanks for coming on, man. Very informative.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, as always. I'm sure we'll do this again next year. It's been a blast. Nice to uh, nice to officially chat with you, Joey. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Hopefully, we're talking this time next year, and there's a more hopeful outlook, and, and there are a lot less question marks.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, I, I am optimistic long-term about this, but the way that it's going, I think it, it's just going to take a little bit of time is all. So, But I think you know he's been pretty honest about that, so there you go. Uh, David, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you want to tell the people real quick where they can find your stuff?
2: Yeah, go to techsideline.com. Uh, you can become a subscriber today if you're a Virginia Tech fan or we have a lot of free content um, that you can read. Um, you can also we, – we do podcasts um, every now and then during the summer. Um, but, of course, with, with fall camp and everything ramping up, we'll be doing two podcasts a week. So you can go find those Tech Sideline podcasts, find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So appreciate you guys having me on as always and uh, can't wait to chat again sometime in the future.
0: Absolutely. We'll do it sometime soon. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, David. Mike, let's get out of here and do some more previews. How's that sound?
1: Yeah, we're moving through them.
0: Yeah, we are. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC Podcast ACC. Go follow David Cunningham at The Real D. Cunna, uh, on Twitter, all one Not word. the fake one. <laughs> not, not the fake <laughs> DCUNA. He's the real D. Uh Go follow him there. Go find him on techsideline.com as well for all your Virginia Tech coverage. Uh, Mike, run iTunes, Spotify, all those good places. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, send us an email to the thebasketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. I messed that up the other day. Not going to mess it up again. Yep. Uh, where else are we in the social medias?
1: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketballconference. Rate, review, find some of our podcasts there, Joey. Instagram as well at bc podcast acc.
0: Do it for the gram. Mike, it's been fun. Want to come back and keep previewing some teams? Tonight even. might even do it tonight. Who's to say? Who's to say? All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, and for Mr. David Cunningham, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon, and until next time, go ACC.